Hello, I'm Marius Cumming, and if you've ever wanted to hear about the diverse range of people in the Australian wool industry, then this is the podcast for you. Young minds tackling on-farm problems using the latest digital technology and relatively cheap technology, developing the next textile specialist in China, and heading to the height of fashion in Milan. It's all in this edition of The Yarn. Thanks for your company. And uh, let's head straight to Italy because uh, that's where Pitti Uomo has been taking place recently. Now, that is the world's largest menswear trade show with around 25,000 menswear buyers there. And uh, therefore, it's very important for Australian wool. And it's also great news that Australian designers and Woolmark were very much the feature of uh, this year's Pitti Uomo. And that's where AWI's Trudy Friedrich caught up with Fabrizio Savente and asked what it was all about. This year is a very, very interesting edition of Pitti Uomo for Woolmark. We have uh, two partnership uh, in Pitti Uomo on top of our stand that is an institutional stand that we have here presenting not only the Wool Lab, but presenting Wool and Woolmark as reality in the international market. Uh, our main partnership, very interesting, are Australia Guest Nation, that uh, has been really successful. We, we were so happy that uh, PT has chosen Australia as a guest nation. Uh, happy because uh, we know the creativity that is growing year after year in, uh, in Australia. And uh, a celebration of Australian creativity in PT Womo, that is the showcase, the most important worldwide, is uh, very good. But uh, we, uh, we are doubly uh, happy because Australia is also the land of wool, mm -hmm. uh, our wool. And uh, celebrating Australian creativity together with uh, the land of wool is very good for us. And then uh, we had a very interesting project also in partnership with Xenia that presented in Pitti um, his collection uh, Tech Merino is a very, very performant fabrics, 100% merino wool, very fine merino wool, in technical garments for sport. In this occasion is for sailing sport, and with the garments are unbelievable, amazing, and the response of the media has been fantastic. We are present there also in, from the hat to the shoes, they presented also 100% merino shoes and we are there very, very clearly representing Australian merino wool with our big logo in their boot. It's very good, it's very good. Then, of course, we have our, our stand, that is institutional stand, where Francesco, that is the, our country manager in Italy, organized every season a great job in contact with our potential clients. But he can explain better than me what's happened there. In addition to all the activities that Fabrizio just explained about the Stella Guest Nation project and uh, the Xenia Tech Marina project, for years uh, we, we have uh, a stand at, uh, at Pitti where we are presenting the David, David Lab. 
Uh, well, actually, I was standing in, in PT is a meeting point. It's not just about the Vulab. There is uh, our tool for uh, promoting uh, the best uh, fabric of uh, made of wool uh, from uh, worldwide suppliers. But it's also a meeting point for um, welcoming all, uh, all the brands that uh, we are working with, uh, all the fashion brands that are here in Pituomo that, that we work with. So it's, it's a meeting point where um, uh, we can explain the innovation uh, above all, but at the same time uh, is where we, we start also uh, working with uh, new partners for promoting uh, Merino, Australian wool Merino. Uh, with the new partnership for the, for the next future. So for us, Pituomo is uh, an important stage for um, our project, like Australian Gas Nation and Tech Marina, but at the same time is uh, the starting point for uh, uh, the project that we would like to do in the next future together. That's Francesco Magri, country manager for Woolmark or AWI, in Italy. Thanks again to Trudy Friedrich for that interview. So let's head back on farm now, but a future farm. The inaugural Tech E Challenge Wool Innovation has taken place this year. It's where AWI has asked the best young minds to help solve some of the age-old farm issues, particularly wool growing issues with new technology. And this year there are some tremendous entries, but the winning entry came from a team from Charles Sturt University and Wagga Wagga TAFE. And the team leader is a young man by the name of Dan Winson. And I asked him about his entry. We started by having a look at what the market was doing to solve the problem at the moment and realised that the costs were extremely high. So. Uh, for example, a flow, a flow sensor can set you back three to five grand, um, and that's connected via 4G. A lot of farmers don't have 4G, and that sort of money is not really practical for a lot of people just to detect how much water they're using. Yet people are spending that sort of money, so obviously um, th there is a market there. Other farmers were telling us that they're spending a lot of time driving around and checking things. One bloke wanted us to set up a drone to fly around the property and just look at everything for him. And we thought, well, we can't do that, not under current legislation, but we can set up a remote camera for you on the top of that hill there. Would that be of any use? And he said, yes. So we did. Uh, for about a thousand bucks, we managed to to get a solar-powered wireless link that can run up to 10 k's with a camera up the top that he can move around with his mobile phone either from on the property or off the property and he can use that to check on things uh, yeah, from anywhere where that camera can see it. So he can be anywhere in the world and on his phone or iPad look in quite high definition around his property. So that's one camera that faces 360 degrees. What, yeah. what percentage of his farm can he see? He's very that? fortunate. He's got 80% covered from one camera. I don't think that'd be the case in, in, in a lot of cases, but if you've got line of sight, you can create 10 kilometer links from point to point. And uh, you can go point to point to point or point to multi-point. And um, that means that, yeah, at the cost we're talking about, it's feasible to cover even large properties using these cameras. Like the zoom range, as we demonstrated today, is very high. That was the first stage of our project, and that's just using off-the-shelf technology but making it much cheaper by pre-configuring it, shipping it to the farmer to install. To win this challenge, we had to go a step further, and that was writing our own code, creating our own circuits, and, uh, and doing sensors to work in with the same infrastructure as these cameras to detect things like water levels, humidity, um, temperature, just about anything you can sense, we can then send over that infrastructure. 
you don't need mobile coverage? No, no. This runs completely locally. The, um, the information that we uh, collect can be stored in the cloud, but it can also be stored on a computer locally or a computer that we supply at a cost of $100. So it's a little Raspberry Pi, uh, which is a, a small computer. No screen or anything. It just stores the information and you can access it off your phone while you're on the property. So you've set one up. Um, you've obviously spoken to a number of farmers around it. What other things are they wanting? Water monitoring, important. Stock monitoring in terms of lambing or predation. How else do you see this evolving? The options are pretty much endless and we're trying really hard to focus on the, the, the key areas where there's already a market so that we can get to market quickly with it. So um, yeah, the cameras are an easy win because you can buy an off-the-shelf product, get it up and it works. Um, water is the obvious next one, so at the moment we're just detecting water levels. The next one on the list is uh, the flow sensor because people are buying them and they're spending a lot of money on them and we think we can do it at a, lot, a much lower cost. After that it gets interesting and we're looking at research projects. It might take a little longer, but um, having a look at predators, having a look at um, livestock monitoring and uh, actually tracking of where the livestock is and how they're going, that's all feasible, but it's going to take a bit more time. So for now, yeah, I think our go-to-market strategy is more around the cameras, the, uh, the water levels, water flow, and potentially looking at humidity and uh, for the grain farmers as well. People are listening to this um, on property thinking, yeah, well, that, that sounds great, but I mean, I've got a big farm, uh, there's no mobile coverage, there's perhaps a lot of trees, wooded areas, and obviously I don't have power. So you don't need power, I understand. You could no, obviously no. run it from a battery and a solar yeah, panel. Yeah, the, the solar's easy. The um, cost of solar have come down. You do need line of sight. So the farm where we put it on, we um, had the farmer do it. I'm no good at, uh, at digging holes. I'm no good at welding. But um, I haven't met any farmers who aren't. Um, so, yeah, we said, can you please dig a hole and put up a five-metre pole? He did better than that. He actually came up with this awesome design with um, two poles that go up three metres in the air. And we're going to do, do some schematics up for this. But, yeah, two poles that go up three metres. And in between them, much like a flagpole, there's another one that goes up five metres. It can be lowered so you can install the equipment at the top of the five-metre pole and then raise it back up and then pin it, pin it up and it's stable as you could ever want. That's clever. It is. It's really clever. And that's what we see. Farmers have got this ingenuity. They, they know how to do this uh, very practical hands-on stuff. We're good at the bits and the bytes and the, uh, the IP and the TCP and all the, all the things that farmers aren't good at. We can keep the cost lower by getting the farmers to do the practical stuff, like digging the holes, putting up the, uh, the poles and whatnot and uh, we'll supply equipment that's ready to go. So that's, that's kind of the sell here, I guess. Team leader from the winning Charles Sturt University and Wagga TAFE team there, Dan Winson. The Tech E Challenge, if you're at all interested in technology, get on board with this. There is a lot of prize money at stake, around $50,000 in fact, and uh, it looks like it's certainly gonna take place again uh, next year. Um, Go online to see what it's all about and we'll certainly be hearing a bit more about the other winners, uh, the runners-up. So let's uh, now head to China to speak a little bit of the future as well because training the next generation of textile innovators and processing specialists is something that Australian Wool Innovation is very much involved with, with uh, AWI's Dr Alan Deboose, a very, very experienced wool specialist, delivering lectures at Nanshan University. And I caught up with him recently, uh, as he was leaving the office actually, to, uh, to jump on a plane to China, and asked him just uh, what it was like with, um, with his job these days. We have prepared a course that we call the Woolmark Wool Education Course. And this consists of a series of modules or units uh, concerning everything from the scouring of raw wool right through to the finishing of fi the final fabric. 
and we teach these units to the students as a series of lectures and tutorial sessions. The lectures are given in English with uh, Chinese translation and after each lecture we have the students for another two hours a day in which we um, go over the subject of the, uh, the lecture in the morning, a tutorial session in which, which is held in English but in, which reinforces the learnings of the morning. Right, and um, how many students do you teach? Well, in, it varies from year to year. Our, my biggest class was 25. This year I've been teaching 15 um, of the most enthusiastic students you would ever want to meet. Really? Well, tell us a bit more about that. Well, they're amazingly enthusiastic. These students turn up 10 minutes before a lecture, so they're fully prepared. Because the notes are in English and the lecture is in English, they have a couple of hours preparation the night before. They read through the lecture notes, do all the translations they need for themselves, turn up early, early, and I must confess that every lecture I've given, I've had every student present, or at least every student bar one present. <laughs> well, that's, that, that's certainly something that... Uh... I don't remember from my university days <laughs> happening, but so what does this say for the future of these, uh, this sector of the industry? And are you optimistic that there will be people driving the, the technical expertise into the future and the people that will be managing them? Wool is a, a special fibre. It's special for Australia and it adopts and it sits at the high quality end of the market. So it's really very important that the wool that's grown in Australia is properly processed into high quality garments. It is possible to make a poor quality garment from wool, and we don't want to see that happening. By educating these students in the nature of wool, how it behaves, the type of processes you need to uh, transform it into a quality product, we hope, or we trust, that the um, products coming out of China will maintain a higher quality and there'll be innovation and development within the industry in China. Now I know you are about to head off and get on a plane to go back there so this is one last question I mean you've been a an amazing servant to this industry over many many years you're one of the most experienced wool textile people in Australia what's it like to now be in China for significant periods of time and being involved in this way? It's quite a, um, a privilege at this end of my career as you say, I've been in the industry a long time, but working with students, seeing them grow, seeing them understand wool and how it is processed is really rather um, exhilarating for me, especially with the enthusiasm that the students show. So what should wool growers and, and wool industry people, stakeholders listening to this, take from that? Should they be enthused that there are the next generation of minds are thinking about our fibre? Well, I think they should be pleased that... We are trying to make sure that all the expertise that has been developed in Europe, in Australia, with respect to the processing wool, is now being transferred to the primary wool processing country in the world. And to ensure that the huge amount of money invested in, in developing new knowledge for the wool industry is not being lost, but is being transferred to the next generation. Alan, I know you've got to catch that flight to China. Thank you very much for joining us. All the best for your work. Thank you, Marius. So that's Dr. Alan DeBoos, who uh, spends quite a lot of time these days at uh, Nanshan University delivering lectures, tutorials on the best use of wool and uh, best practice in processing and technology. And uh, it's uh, certainly a very interesting part of uh, the business. So I hope you've enjoyed this edition of The Yarn. Um, please send me an email with any ideas or suggestions or feedback that you have. Uh, 
Our email address is theyarn at wool.com. Thanks again for your company and uh, look forward to it again soon.